Hi, I'm Rillian Kilcheris, third of my name and first protector of the Blood Council. And as I continue my deathless march through a sunless world, I want to enjoy an active lifestyle. When my doctor first told me that I had high cholesterol, I ripped his throat out and fed on him in front of a horrified nurse, who I later made my thrall. But when my second doctor told me I had high cholesterol, I knew I had to make a change. For the better. For eternity. For Vamprex. Vamprex is a non-habit-forming drug from the makers of Diagra. With my busy schedule and all the time I spent in the office, I had been feeding more and more on the morbidly obese. It's just so much easier to catch a fatty. Vamprex is a safe and effective drug proven to lower cholesterol associated with a high fatty diet. I've got my 498th birthday just around the corner, but with the changes in my lifestyle and Vamprex, I feel like I'm 250 again. Now I hunt in late night yoga classes and evening nature hikes. And of course, I still enjoy a food blogger every now and again. But with Vamprex, the sky's the limit. Take it from me, Dr. Acula. The minions of the damned deserve to feel their best. I've taken back the control, and I'm taking back the night. Thanks, Vamprex. Do not use Vamprex if you're pregnant or may become pregnant with the children of the night. Do not use Vamprex if you are receiving the unclean touch of the father of the damned. Do not handle broken or shattered pieces of crucifix while on Vamprex. Side effects may include dry mouth, lazy fang, uncontrollable bat transformation, inability to control minds, daywalking, loss of familiar or thrall, loss of sex drive, and death. Again. Vamprex. Just because you're dead doesn't mean you can't live. Wow. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm David Flora. And I'm Dave Stecco. Welcome to Blurry Photos. Oh, and do we have a treat for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're sick and tired of our bullshit, we've brought in fresh new professional bullshit. Hooray! No, seriously. not Russell Stover's manure truck. Oh, God. No, we, we have once again uh, reached out to the consummate professionals so that you can get real information from people who know what they're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, Ken Heights with us today. Da 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 da. And we'll just keep yes. making sounds. And he never gonna, gets to say hi. She's gonna cut past the immense production number in Cab Calloway dancing on furniture. And oh, all that. Do you know how much we spent on that? It's all on YouTube. You know how much we owe the estate of Cab Calloway? <laughs> I think we all owe the estate of Cab Calloway That's a debt we can true. never repay. You're absolutely Dave. right. <laughs> that is your real name. Ken, how the hell are you? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me back on, or in this case, acquiescing to my demands to be invited. Oh back my on. God, no! <laughs> that's this. That's the easiest thing in the world. It's like the guy who owns the beer company going, "Can I come to your party?" <laughs> yes. Well, I yes, you I, can. I do have a controlling interest in the beer company of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the only beer we drink here on Blurry Photos. That's right. That's Nonsense right. brand beer. We get we get quite trashed on that. <laughs> and real beer, too. Right, yeah. Well, Must anyone forget. It, it helps the first one go down. <laughs> Ken is on to uh, talk about a new RPG that you've got coming out, right? An right. extension, you said. It's uh, yes. on Kickstarter right now. Ken, 
Tell society what they've won. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you act now or other <laughs> between now and uh, December 4th or thereabouts, you'll be able to get in on the Dracula dossier, which ooh, is, ooh. yeah, right there. Already good. Um, it's a name so good. It's already been used twice by novelists. Um, Suckers. In this particular case, however, it is a two book expansion for Knights Black Agents, which is my role playing game of uh, spies versus vampires. So mm. Jason Bourne versus uh, uh dracula basically is the is the pitch here so i wanted to say suki stackhouse and also versus <laughs> jason Bourne versus also, suki stackhouse. also versus suki edward all of your vampires <laughs> they're all going down sparkly non-sparkly krav maga style welcome exactly Eskrima t- v vampire that's tony job versus <laughs> they're all gonna get their nets broke necks broken on a <laughs> bullet train screaming through a city <laughs> David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve having a <laughs> yeah. Eskrima fight with Matt Damon and that other Jason Bourne guy. What's yeah. his name? Jeremy Renner. Hawkeye. Yeah. yeah. Hawkeye. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. But uh, uh, cool. uh, the Dracula dossier uh, begins as, with the conceit that Dracula is not a novel. Dracula was Bram Stoker's after action report that he wrote following a failed British intelligence attempt to recruit a vampire in 1894. And they brought in Bram Stoker to write the after action report. And when he turns it in, they looked at it and said, well, this makes us look terribly, terribly stupid and inept. So we're <laughs> going to basically take that away from you. And they cut out all the parts that made it uh, that the revealed sources and methods and that showed what British intelligence had been up to. And they gave it back to him. And they said, now publish that as a novel, as disinformation so that we can deny that this operation ever took place, right? <laughs> you screwed this up so bad. We're going to make you publish. We're going to make you publish this. <laughs> so uh, British intelligence takes the first draft and they, and they squirrel it away. The operation to, to recruit Dracula was called operation Edom after the prophecy in Isaiah about how the wild beasts of the Island shall meet the wild beasts of the wilderness and Lilith shall rest there. So it's a Ooh. vampire prophecy about the place Edom. They call themselves operation Edom. So fa- fast forward to 1940, Romania is on the verge of joining the Axis. Hitler is going to be able to have a huge supply of oil and go out, go after the Russians with no distractions. And uh, the British don't want that to happen. And they're like, does anyone have any assets in Romania that we haven't used? And someone in Operation Edom says, well, there was this vampire. <laughs> we could make contact with him, put him in charge of Romania, and then he wouldn't join the Axis. And so that would work out great. And as we know from history, that did not work out great. Uh, so the survivor of that SOE mission into Romania annotated uh, the first draft of Dracula, and that got put back in the vaults. And so in 1977, there is a leak from MI6 into the Securitate, the Romanian secret police. And MI6 is looking around and saying, how could this leak be happening? And someone at Operation Needham says, oh, I'll bet it was the Romanian who was wandering around London with the ability to mind control people and make immortal servitors. That was probably what it was. Did you not read that report? Yes, we have it in the vault. I put a sticky on it. Yes. It was quite, it was, I mean, I put it at the top of your stack. It was important. There was a memo. <laughs> it was a yellow sticky. <laughs> quite bright. Not the green one. The Canary. yellow one. It was canary. Catches the eye. (laughs) Oi. Anyway, um, (laughs) before we spiral off into our weird East End Road Company version of Tinker Taylor, uh, what happens is that uh, Edom then goes after Dracula's stay-behind network in London under the cover of this mole hunt. And about a year and a half into it, they say, nope, we found the mole. Everything's cool. No problem. As you were. 
And a mid-level analyst in Edom says, I don't necessarily buy that that happened. And so they annotated the draft of Dracula as well. And then they put their annotations back in the vault. And then they put a flag into the MI6 computer system that would release this data if it ever looked like Edom was trying to recruit Dracula again. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the the analyst uh, who uses the code name Cushing didn't want that to happen. So come 2011, there are enough chatter and information, earthquakes in Romania, this kind of thing, that the file gets released again. Mostly it gets covered up except for one more analyst gets it. And follows up again, tries to track down the current operation of Project Edom, discovers that after 7-7, MI6 says, "Uh, you know what? Uh, Dracula hates Muslims. Let's just (laughs) bring him out and use him to kill Al-Qaeda. Let's turn him into a deniable asset. Literally Mm -hmm. deniable because he's fictional. That's how deniable (laughs) he is. And uh, collateral damage, schmilateral damage, I'm sure it'll work out this time. So obviously it is not working out as promised Dracula is on the loose again. He may have infiltrated the British government. No one knows exactly how great his power extends. That analyst also disappears. That document, the unredacted Dracula with all three generations of annotations falls into the hands of the player characters. And they use that as their source of clues and leads to go after Dracula and to go after operation Edom in the modern day, a dossier, a dossier, if you will. Yes. And a so Dracula, <laughs> unredacula. Yes. And, and so the um, uh, the other half of the of the product then is all those clues, all those leads, all the NPCs, all the locations, all the conspiratorial organizations, all of it tuned so that you might be going after a Romanian bureaucrat. And we have a write up for a Romanian bureaucrat is just a Romanian bureaucrat just doing their Romanian job. Or they might be an Edom asset. They might be on the books of Edom helping out with this uh, conspiracy to control Dracula. Or they might be a minion of Dracula helping Dracula, you know, do his own evil things. And so as you go through the adventure, you don't know what kind of person you're meeting, but you've chosen who you're going to meet because you, the players, looked at this at this data dump and said, oh, we're going to go here. We don't like the looks of this oil company executive. We think that maybe the Archbishop of uh, of Mechelen, the guy who may or may not be have been supplying Van Helsing with his uh, illegal uh, consecrated hosts, maybe they know something. Maybe they got some records. <laughs> so they go everywhere that they want to go. Every, every single uh, site in the novel is given a clue in the modern day that you can follow up, plus all the stuff that comes out of these three historical events uh, gets a clue to follow up. So you have... And already we've got a 280 page book of these uh, of these of these leads to follow into adventure. And then uh, as the uh, Kickstarter goes on, we've been adding more and more as stretch goals. So we've added uh, um, the uh, the prison in uh, in Turkey where where Dracula, where, where Vlad Tepes was kept as a little boy. We've added Iceland, where a version of Dracula was translated in 1901 and added stuff about Jack the Ripper and a secret society of Satanist murderers that isn't in the real book. And so it's like, well, Bram Stoker knew about this. Why did this get added? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so what's going on in Iceland? So we have a a thing for that. We have sort of uh, optional capstones, endings you can drive to. So what if uh, Dracula's plan is to wait until Vladimir Putin shows up uh, in Romania or somewhere where Dracula has power and he just, going to skip, cut out the middleman, vampirize Putin, take over Russia and become, you know, king of the world that way. Uh, or there's a there's a place in Romania in the in the Carpathians called Dracula's Mill. It's a waterfall that falls down into a, a giant cave 
And that seems like a great Iger sanction type location for a mm-hmm. big final showdown type deal. So maybe you're going to drive it towards there. We've got nine different possible locations for Castle Dracula. Just tons of playable meat that goes along with the unredacted Dracula. And the great thing is because everyone's either read the novel, seen a movie, or just knows all the names. They know Dracula. They know Van Helsing. They know Mina. Mm-hmm. They can follow those clues without having to read necessarily 350 pages if they don't want to. Hmm. That's awesome. Now, maybe you're not allowed to say this because, you know. Yeah. But if, if there's anything. Don't but let's let's talk Dracula's loot table. Okay. What, what, does he, what does he drop when you when you finally kill him? You get, uh, like, you get your 40 man raid going. You get your. How many, how many epics? <laughs> in, the, in the course of in the course of hunting Dracula, in addition, of course, to his vast supplies of Habsburg gold that he has in the novel. Uh, there's also the possibility of the magic textbook that he used when he studied under the devil at the Scalamance. Oh. Right. You could maybe get that. There's an earthquake machine that might uh, <laughs> called harp. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's the Tesla earthquake machine. Possibly. Oh, okay. Right. Um, the, uh, the the in, in the novel, Dracula's appearance is always sort of weirdly connected up with earthquakes. And mm-hmm. in the original draft of the novel, Stoker ended with a volcano that just blows Dracula's castle off the top of the Alps. <laughs> and it's like, that's odd. And then he cut it out at the last minute. He just exited out and it's not in the in the published novel. So obviously there's some geological Dracula connection that we're not being made. And if you look in the history, when are there big earthquakes in Romania? 1940, 1977, hmm. 2011. So, yeah. Nice. Yes. As well as bracketing the events of Dracula in 1893 and 1894. Two earthquakes just about a year apart. Wow. Yeah, that's real. That's real seismology, people. <laughs> that's right. Lovingly converted Lovingly for your converted entertainment. from the real to the nonsensical <laughs> via me. So uh, the notion that if you can control earthquakes, you can control vampires or wake them up or have some influence over mm-hmm. them. So there's an earthquake machine that you might get, right? Oh. There's uh, Van Helsing's original vampire hunting kit. There's uh, Quincy Morris's Bowie knife. And nice. whether or not that has any uh, numinous power or not is, up again, it's up to the GM because any of these items might be uh, forgeries or they might be the real deal or they might be somewhere in between. So lots of great possibilities. That's awesome. Yeah. That's as really you move cool. through. Plus, as I mentioned, Habsburg gold, <laughs> <laughs> the only gold for me for and, on and, the go vampires. and a Bulgarian arms company. You can, you can get that. Uh, <laughs> the whole, nobody needs a gun. What you need is the factory that, that makes, makes the gun. <laughs> it's like teaching a, a man to fish. Yeah. <laughs> Why shoot a man when you can get an arms factory? You can shoot him all year. That's right. (laughs) That's awesome. Teach a man to to make a fire. He'll be warm for the night. Set a man on fire. He'll be warm for the rest of his his life. life. (laughs) Exactly. Now, uh, I I wanted to ask you, you know, how long you've been researching this, but that's a a terrible question because your whole life. (laughs) Yeah, Um, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, when when did since, you since freshman year in college when yeah. I read Dracula for the first time and the paperback version that I bought at the book rack in Oklahoma City <laughs> had the last four pages torn out <laughs> and I didn't know it so I'm reading it and it's like three thirty in the morning and it's like oh that's not good <laughs> Dracula's not dead yet so uh, no, first no. thing in the morning I go down to the school library and I pull down Dracula and I read those last four pages oh thank God but yeah I've had a problematic re- relationship with the Dracula text for a long time. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, so I tore those four pages out, out, put them in my book. That's so right. don't yes, worry. Problem, problem solved, solved people. <laughs> when did, when did you decide that this was going to be 
when you when you decided this is what you were going to make the the next uh, module? I think it was while I was doing Knights Black Agents, and I was mm-hmm. thinking because in the core book, in the core game, there are rules for Dracula style vampires called the Linnea Dracula. The assumption being that you've got your Dracula uh, standard uh, out of, straight out of Stoker vampires, and then they have their their lineage that is going down in Europe and having their own little internecine civil war mm-hmm. and that that's a good background for a story. So I just put those in, in the back as one example, the vampires in nice black agents are completely modular. You can build them any way you want so that it stays a mystery when you're Jason Bourne. You're like, do I bring garlic? Do I bring silver? Do I bring a UV flashlight? Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what do I do here? Um, do do but, I need a samurai black man? But even starting with you never, never goes wrong. <laughs> you should always do that. There's, yeah, there's, that's, that's not just what for is, nice black agents. What doesn't that solve? Across the board. Question. If you can get Blade, you bring get Blade. blade. <laughs> or Ghost Dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. Every time, Ken. Every time we have to get into this discussion of Jim Jarmusch's greatest mistake, and that is Ghost Dog. You, sir. I know. You, sir. That's fine. If you are out of the penalty box at this recording, you may return yourself to the penalty box. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> Let's just Other Dave. agree to yeah. Flora. I will, now, be I will now address my, com- my remarks exclusively to you because you are not a barbarian. You have excused yes. yourself from this discourse. Right. Um, so I uh, even then I'm thinking, how does Dracula fit into the Knights Black Agents universe? And if you're doing anything that is meant as a vampire, you know, part of the vampire myth here in the 21st century in, in the West, I think you sort of owe it to the origin to, to go back and give it mm-hmm. some proper some propers. Right. And I wanted to do Dracula right. I didn't want it just to be a Buffy versus Dracula where there's one episode and you fight Dracula and that's it. And good night. And I could have done that in 10,000 words and, you know, we'd have a PDF and we'd all be done with it. No, I think if you're going after Dracula, it should be an epic. It should be a a life breaker. It should be like masks of Nirlathotep for Call of Cthulhu. It should be the, um, uh, you know, the the whole giant thing from D&D. This should be an epic. This should be a thing that you play and you and you are glad that you went through that uh, that that uh, that experience. It should be a mountain climb. And so. Once I decided that, it was sort of a question of how do I, how do I present it, you know, so 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 to convey that level of of uh, investment to the, uh, to to the players, and I think um, we came up with a good way. Hmm. Then, so you're basing this, you know, off of the Bram Stoker and, and and the other works as well. Do you get into any of the? the historical aspects of it about you know, the Vlad, the impaler. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. And- uh, there's, there's all manner of, I mean, one of the things that you can use, you can make it a core part of the mystery or, or you can, can ignore it as you run the game. But who was Dracula in life is kind of a question. And it, it, it's valuable because you want to find out what his native soil is mm-hmm. so that you can go and, you know, see if anyone's been digging up this one churchyard. Um, you might want to find out, you know, um, uh, if you know that he's Vlad the Impaler, then that narrows down the castles he might be in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, I, I assume we'll get further into this as the show progresses, but obviously, if you look at the straight Stoker text, Dracula, the character, is not necessarily Vlad the Impaler. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because the Count is Hungarian and Vlad was Wallachian. The Count's uh, biography, to the extent that Van Helsing confusedly relates it twice in a row, does not match Vlad's. Uh, uh, the Count doesn't, you know, impale anyone. Vlad impaled everyone. Uh, pretty much everyone. <laughs> yeah. So there's plenty of, of reasons to say, no, Dracula's not Vlad the Impaler. But that said, Vlad the Impaler turns out to be a, you know, psychopath, 
who was in the Balkans at pretty much the right era and had, you know, the church mad at him and plenty of other reasons for people to think he's probably Dracula. Also, you know, spoiler, his name was Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of cool. He signed his name, Vladislav Dracula, on documents. So if you're asking who's Dracula, he's Dracula. Yeah. So there's lots of elements of the Vlad the Impaler mythos, but we don't make it exclusive. If you want Vlad to have been... Uh, or if you want Count Dracula to have been Vlad's grandson, John Dracula, if you wanted him to be um, uh, John Hunyadi, who was the guy who actually imprisoned Vlad Tepesh, um, or you wanted um, him to be, or other Matthias Corvinus imprisons him. Hunyadi is the guy who. I was uh, gonna. I was just gonna say that. And yeah, I, good job. But uh, Hunyadi's career actually that penalty fits, box, Ken. That was um, close. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dodged a non-existent <laughs> bullet. Right. Yes. Oh, right. Uh, in the yeah, penalty box, yeah. I might have had to do something for four seconds, then That's get right. out again. <laughs> I might have had to. Th- flout justice <laughs> ken, ken takes issue with the amount of time we spend in the penalty box i, I which... just feel that perhaps <laughs> there needs to be some sort of long large-scale judicial reform i just see a high rate of recidivism yeah and i wonder if maybe the punishments are truly creating remorse and i don't think right now they are <laughs> okay yeah, so you think we should go to the root of the problem that's right maybe maybe longer sentences in the penalty boxes <laughs> or capital punishment always a possibility <laughs> tonight on the podcast uh david flora we're going to cut two uh segments off of his pinky finger he'll get to keep one knuckle i mean we're not even done with the season yet so we gotta yeah, leave ourselves right, somewhere to go for you this is for you listeners yeah. <laughs> that's when we did when we up our yakuza episode mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah yeah that's when you want to do more research on yeah. i think really or, get that right or less or less yeah. <laughs> yeah. or none at none, all none whatsoever don't look into it yes <laughs> i believe the yakuza are a group of yaks yeah they're a bunch with of Uzi's res- yeah, they're criminal a, musk oxen of some sort they're respected businessmen with uh, a lot of ties to the community Puns. moving on <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> moving on right so uh, uh, Dracula, uh, you can play him as though he's any number of, of Balkan warlords or medieval Hungarian uh, figures. There's even a, um, a archbishop who signed his name Dracula because he was descended from Vlad and was very proud of that fact. And so if you want to start with your uh, Vatican conspiracy vampires, you can make him that archbishop. And that's a great deal of fun. If I found out that I was a descendant of Dracula, know that I'd be signing yes. everything. Oh, yeah. Dave, Dave Stecula. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's your name? Dracula Stecco? Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. It's a real Prince thing. Prince Charles claims uh, descent from Vlad the Impaler. I believe really? it. Really? He does. Yes. Whoa. Prince Charles, this is research that I found out. In the category of, no, I cannot make up something stranger, <laughs> yeah. uh, Prince Charles owns a hunting lodge in Transylvania he rents out as a vacation property for people. Um, he's gone there a bunch of times. He's praised their beautiful connection to the soil, their failure to have, you know, science or any sort of, um, uh, you know, modern agriculture whatsoever, their mm. miserable subsistence existence <laughs> because he's an aristocrat and he right. hates people. And uh, he's going around talking about how he is related to Vlad the Impaler and, and uh, feels a, him off and, a blood connection you. to the Transylvanian soil. He honest to God said, it's as though I have a stake in the country. And uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, if I wanted to tie Vlad the Impaler to the British royal family, I'm done. Yeah. I, it's been done for Thank me. Thank you for I don't even need that. Kim Newman to do it. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Wow. Ears. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you've, you've got uh, you, you keep looking into it. These connections just go down forever you look into the romanian mafia there are uh, romanian mafiosi who like 
tear each other's neck, you know, with their teeth to show their dominance. There's a guy whose nickname is Vlad Tepesh. There's a guy who, who cuts himself with a sword to prove that he's immortal. <laughs> the Romanian mafia is really messed up. And yeah, uh, and any or all of that could be from vampires. As far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't, I don't think that we've disproven that. No. And I, how, how wonderful is it to do research and to see these things like pop up and you're like, well, thank you for it. That's, yep. that's no that's, more that's effort. Going, okay. That's, that's going right in the book. Yep. Thanks Romanian go. mafia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being so weird. Thanks for being messed up. So yeah, that's, but that's the kind of thing because then you go into the Romanian mafia and now you've got a million different possibilities. I mean, so that's just the sort of example of the fact that anywhere you look, I mean, I think anywhere, but certainly in Romania, if you look for five minutes, you find more crazy stuff than you can put into a game book. Although we certainly gave it a good college try. On this <laughs> well, one. and you're not done. No, either. no, yeah. there's more stuff to come. I mean, we've got things that we know we're going to put in, uh, assuming we can get those stretch goals opened up and we've got just more weird stuff is on the hoof all the time <laughs> when you say. You know, we open up uh, a stretch goal for Ireland just a little while ago. I am pretty familiar with the Stoker family legends and things like that. Uh, the co, my co-author Gareth uh, Ryder Hanrahan is Irish, so he's going to have even more stuff. And I am morally certain that we open the door on Mr. and Mrs. Stoker and we start looking at what the British were up to when they were running Ireland in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. We're going to find crazy stuff to beat the band. It's just oh, yeah. no bottom to that well. <laughs> in, in your uh, in your version of it, was uh, did you say Bram was an agent? Uh, the way that we get to Bram is that his brother, George Stoker, was a medical orderly. This is real history. He was a medical uh, officer with the Turkish army during the Russo-Turkish War in 1877, 1878. This is real history. He goes out there. He's there with the spy Armin Vambery, who is a historical figure. He's a Turkish, uh, he's actually a Hungarian explorer, and he's a, a, an expert in Turkish languages and, and Oriental uh, culture, and he's a spy for the British Foreign Office. And they're both out there on the frontier, and my thesis is that they uncover proof of vampires there in this, you know, in the war-torn Balkans back and forth, and... George Stoker being a medical man, the first Western medical man to actually witness this phenomenon is like, this could maybe be controlled. What do you think? Hungarian occult expert who happens <laughs> to be in the next trench over. And Vanbury says, I don't know. Perhaps he could. And so the two of them bring evidence of vampirism back to the Naval Intelligence Division, which was the old, the precursor to MI6. And so Bram Stoker historically was brought in by the British government to touch up George Stoker's memoir of the Russo-Turkish war to make it more anti-Russian because they wanted to use it as propaganda <laughs> mm-hmm. against the Russians. And so George is going to publish the memoir and they, you know, someone in the home office takes a look, foreign office takes a look at it and they say, this could be more anti-Russian. <laughs> and they bring Brahm in to who's actually do Who's the biggest anti-Russian right. dude we know? Who's, you know, who's a good writer who will do this for very little money because it's his brother's book, basically. And that's related <laughs> to the Crimean War. Then. That's, that was after the Crimean War, but the great game in Central Asia is still going okay. on. The Russians are still the big threat in the 1870s. Good thing that's over, right? Yes. Well, that's a we dodged that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do want to mention that uh, Van Helsing is supposed to be Dutch, but in the book he keeps swearing in German. Oh, and so it's like maybe someone else has got a spy uh, yeah. going on. Well, and fun. if Van Helsing is a German spy for the Kaiser for the Abwehrabteilung, then now we got a German vampire project. 
and he's bringing evidence back to the Kaiser, and maybe that leads into the Ananerba, ties in through Nosferatu, of course, because F.W. Murnau is part of this occult uh, organization in Berlin, these, mm-hmm. um, these sort of uh, black magicians. He and his uh, scene, uh, uh, scene designer, Albin Grau, who's the guy who actually does the set decorations for Caligari and who also does the location shooting for Nosferatu. They're all black magicians together. So there's a pretty straight line <laughs> by my standards <laughs> <laughs> showing that we can have a German vampire project as well. Anyway, going back to George Stoker, uh, Br- Brahm is brought in to, 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 to punch that up. And so once they start using George Stoker's vampire evidence as the data to figure out where's the best vampire we can get, and they <laughs> find Dracula through their own research, the thesis is that since Stoker has already got a clearance for this stuff, Let's bring him in to write the after action report and yeah. put it all together so that we can sell this to higher ups in the in the Navy. Hmm. And when they see it, they're like, oh, no, that's not going to work at all. <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, bother. Oh, now, dear. Part of this that I wanted to get into with this episode. Of course, we haven't done an episode fully on, on vampires. We I don't know that we've touched it much, you know, mm-hmm. just very lightly with different cultures and mm-hmm. in there. Feather touch. But when you Brent, have your S wing. That's right. right. Exactly. That's a vampire. Exactly. Yep. Um, hey, the you. in a way. I, I appreciate your pronunciation. <laughs> Not a problem. You. Thank you. I'm, I'm here for I'm here for the Tagalog American community. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. Bram Stoker was not the first to introduce the idea of a vampire. Uh, the the idea the legends of vampire in cultures goes back. Yeah, thousands uh, of years. Yeah. Right. So and uh, and that depends on how loose you want to get with it. But the idea of the the dead creature feeding on the living or or the creature that needs to feed on the living to continue to live forever. Or you know, even those, draining the living's life force yeah. specifically. That shows up in, depending on exactly how you read it, of Sumerian or Babylonian records mm-hmm. from like 3000 or 2500 BC. So you, you, we know that that sort of core part of the myth goes back and then you can argue about what what counts as a vampire yeah. until you get down to the Upir, which is the first Balkan vampire that starts showing up in, in documents again, depending on how you count it. I mean, the word shows up in like the 11th century, but the concept doesn't really start showing up until the 14th century. And then there's a, there's a huge amount of really interesting research that implies that it comes out of arguments over burial practices Oh, because the Balkans are a battleground between uh, the Orthodox uh, Greek church Mm -hmm. and the Bogomil heresy. And the Bogomils grow up in Anatolia. They're exiled to the Balkans because they're too close to the, uh, the the Muslim frontier. So they're exiled to the Balkans. And so they put down roots there and start telling everyone to bury people differently. And once you start thinking, my granddad is buried wrong, what uh-huh. does that do yeah. exactly? Um. And then the, 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 the what would happen is that the Orthodox Church would hear about this and they'd send guys in and say, no, 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 no. You have to dig him back up and rebury him again. Yeah. You did it wrong again. And then he would leave and the Bogomil locals would say, what have you done? You've buried him wrong. Dig him back up and put him back in the ground. And so <laughs> and when this has been going, that had been going on in the Balkans for hundreds of years under the Byzantines. And then when the Turks invade, now you've got a whole new batch of burial laws. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you can't bury anyone there. You have to dig him up and put them over in this other cemetery. Wow. And then. Then, to make it worse, the Catholics come in and they've got their own burial mm-hmm. rites. And the poor, you know, Romanian, Bulgarian, Serbian peasant is just, 
The only the only, the only winner here is Big Grave Digger. Big yeah. Grave the Digger. Big Grave Digger. Right. You know, the, the lobbyist. Industry, big yeah. shovel. <laughs> big <laughs> shovel. It's just making money hand over fist. <laughs> the only yep. people who win. That's but, why Shakespeare has to put him in Hamlet. That's right. <laughs> to keep him quiet. <laughs> you know, and that's why we have, uh, I mean, we, we've covered this in other episodes. For example, like uh, Baba Yaga, when you get these different uh, religious systems, uh, different belief systems moving through an area, there is, you, you get this kind of word of mouth uh, demonizing mm-hmm. of the other versions. Absolutely. And, and yeah, in this example, it's not hard to imagine, oh no, not only is your grandfather buried wrong, but let me tell you what's going to happen. He's going to walk fix. at night yeah. 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 east on the living. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that is, um, as far as I'm concerned, that's a really, I mean, you can't ever, you know, nail this stuff down. You can't dust for anthropology. <laughs> it's, but, a, it's a vampire. You, yeah. you can't nail them down. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, you can. But, um, <laughs> but the, uh, but, but, but that notion that the, the Balkan vampire comes out of this sort of religious turmoil and, 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 uh, and, and not just confusion, but literally, you know, controversy, you know, people being executed over whether or not they're burying people right potentially how's is, that for irony uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now how should we bury the guy who just executed <laughs> press down hard do we do it the right carbons. way no we're nope. punishing him so we we killed him for burying people <laughs> wrong but now we're going to bury him wrong, wrong but for the right reasons, reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but just in case we're going to cut off his head <laughs> and bury him at the crossroads with yep. a stake through his heart <laughs> i can't understand any of these <laughs> <laughs> that's right and that, yeah that's that's where or the brick in his mouth which turns out to have been a big thing that they as they're digging up these graves in venice and places in bulgaria they're finding people who are buried with their bricks in their mouth to well keep their jaws from closing on the living yeah. wow wow yeah i'd never heard of that yeah there's again you know you you start setting up your google alert for vampire you uh-huh. are getting some stuff Wow. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and so Bram Stoker ushers in kind of the modern idea of, yeah, of the he's, vampire. He's, he's the guy who has, although Dracula doesn't sell a ton of copies really fast, it, but it's no Moby Dick. I mean, it, it turns over all right. He's, he's in the Midwest and he gets reviewed all over the English speaking world. So the novel is out there. And uh, so Dracula, beca- and also it's by far the best vampire novel yeah. up until then. And as far as I'm concerned, pretty much since. Um, but okay, you'd have all right. Well, I know, I know a little something okay called Twilight. Yeah, that you are very invested in. I'm just saying. I think of that more as a romance. (laughs) Me too. A love story. Me too, Ken. Thank you. I don't. I don't see the the supernatural component as really controlling. You guys got to think about continuity. Last episode, we we kind of almost castrated ourselves for mentioning Twilight. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Now now we're like, oh, Twilight might be the best. (laughs) Well, that's because you've gone through a dark place and you've come out on the other side. Come on, you guys. Home with yourselves. I I am I'm not. I will turn this podcast around. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? Put him in the penalty box for four seconds. I'd like to see that happen. No, No, I would really. (laughs) Just just I'll take whatever four seconds I can get. That's right. I I actually my motto. While it's it's fun to mock, I actually have seen none of the movies and read none of the Twilight books. I don't know. I know that 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 everyone's got sculpted abs and they glitter ever so slightly. Correct. Mm -hmm. Is that right? That's pretty much okay. But uh, but. Uh, Stoker's version of the vampire, his sort of um, conflation of Balkan vampire myth, as far as he could tell, of the Gothic vampire myth that comes out of people like Le Fanu and out of uh, Varney the vampire and out of Polidori's vampire novel, his, you know, Irish ghost stories that he heard from his mom when he was a kid and just from his imagining of what would look good on stage because he wrote it with one eye toward maybe making a stage play out of it because vampire plays were were big 
money. Mm-hmm. Well, ironically, he didn't. It was uh, Balderson and Dean did it, and of course they did a, a hack job. But it, but it was huge, and it's the play really that cements Dracula in the popular imagination because it was a barn burner. It sold out everywhere it was played, and hilariously, Stoker, who works at the Lyceum, never gets to stage his own version. Uh, <laughs> It gets put on like 12 years after he dies is when it debuts. So um, uh, sad, single tear. <laughs> but he's but he's putting elements like that. And then he, as far as we can tell, invents things like uh, Dracula doesn't show up in a mirror or right, can't be photographed. Ask. He puts that into the first, uh, his notes say, you know, Dracula can't be photographed. And then he has a little notion that there's going to be a painter who shows up and he takes reference photos of Dracula and then they turn out dark or maybe they have a skull in them and and then and then he just takes that out because he figures it slows the book down too much. We're putting that back in. Yeah, we don't care how much it slows the book down. <laughs> I want to creepy. I want to drop this book in its tracks. Right. That's so Francis A. Town's uh, photographic studies are another one of the things you can find oh. in the course of the adventure. Uh, but but as far as we know, Stoker pretty much invents that on the notion that well, if a mirror steals your soul and vampires don't have souls, mm. oh, yeah. Right. That that's a, that was the next thing I was going to ask is there are certain vampire tropes uh, mm-hmm. that that we've become accustomed to and I'll we'll throw them out if you know them but like like you said the mirrors one thing doesn't show up in a mirror um, crucifixes are you know garlic garlic mm-hmm. um, uh, running water things right. like that those are, water. those are both old school obviously um, what 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 of those uh, did did Bram Stoker invent and what are those of of other cultures that have kind of bled in. Well, the the running water, the garlic, the holy symbols of various kinds, that goes back to the original stuff. And it's not always vampires that you drive off with that, but it's evil spirits or the yeah. devil generally. Um, he invents the turn into a bat. That's him. Okay. He okay. is like the first guy who's writing and says, there's this awesome bat that drinks blood. I should put this in the, mm. yeah. in, the in the work somehow. I'm going to tie vampires and bats together. That had never been done by anyone, which is weird because bats are creepy and fly around at night. Yeah. But, <laughs> but va- vampires pre-Stoker didn't really fly. They just sort of showed up on your doorstep and were either horrible, raging corpses with erections or they were, you know, hot chicks who want to get after your daughter. I mean, that was basically your two kinds. <laughs> Just sending that aside, like, come on, come on, 50-50 shot, 50-50 shot. Oh, I'm not inviting you in, slam. Corpse and that's boners. another thing, too. Another, can't, yeah. Vampires can't be can't enter the home unless they're invited right. in. Is oh, that- right. I think that that is pre-Stoker. I don't pre-Stoker. think that he invents that. I believe that that's something that he got out of, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily Romanian. He may have gotten that out of, like, Irish fairy lore or something. Mm. But, you know, you what you just said reminded me of something um, from the last time we had you on the podcast uh, about H.P. Lovecraft taking horror from cloven hooves and demons to the true unknown and tentacles and mm-hmm. and and the the fact that yeah you know, holy artifacts were proof across the board because everything that was a monster or every was was assumed to be a demon or associated with hell or somehow right. yeah. um, subject to the laws of Christendom and so that that incorporation. Uh, you said just it kind of applied across the board to not just vampires, but mm-hmm. if you if you kept the cross, if you kept holy water, you could protect yourself from whatever. Pretty much anything. Yeah. yeah. Although you know, fiction had begun to sort of want to work around that because that's a real you know story closer. It's like, yeah. But fortunately, she had a crucifix. Ah, damn it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard a to true, get those. True. Yeah. Deus ex machina. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I remember when I was a kid seeing Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. 
and when the vampire just crushes it and you're like oh shit well yeah the popular <laughs> thing nowadays is be like the vampire to be like i am atheist <laughs> you know and, but I, I remember that that moment because you're like oh which of atheists didn't get hurricanes might make sense but you know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, acts of god don't apply to me man yeah that's right <laughs> it's in my insurance uh but yeah that that i remember seeing that and like oh don't worry he got you know like watching it and being invested and then yeah. when when people turn those rules on or off to mm-hmm. suit there you're like oh right yeah that's that's one of the things that we that i did in nice black agents is you don't know which rules apply when you go into the game you don't know which vampires you're fighting and in this one you know what Dracula is, so you're pretty sure that crosses will stop him. But, for example, there's still some wiggle room because in an early version of Stoker's notes, he suggests that the cross has to come from before the d- vampire dies in the real world, right? In life. So oh. if your vampire is Vlad Tepesh, your cross has to come from before 1476. Wow. That's cool. Oh, right? That's and pretty cool. The uh, holy water it has to have been charged in a mass that was done before, right? The, 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 the form of the mass can't post-date the vampire's life, right? So the Tridentine mass comes in in 1570. That's after all of your leading Balkan warlord candidates. Yeah. So anything that's done in church today, your, your holy, uh, your, your holy uh, uh, host, your wine, your water, all that might potentially not work on Dracula, even if, holy artifacts do it's like oh that's heresy that's got no power over me yeah because vlad the impaler was a 1450s 14, yeah, or yeah, so 14 um is, is takes over in 1456 i think and then die finally loses it in 1476 yeah. so he's got about 20 years there. i'd like to point out to everyone that i was able to uh furnish a real date for vlad the impaler i did some research that's right and this Dave, is without Dave notes, his notes which he yeah. left at home yeah but see, it's yeah, in my right dome. There. It's all there in the in, in the Dave space. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but since uh, Vlad was both a Orthodox and a Catholic, he converted while he was being imprisoned in Hungary. Um, who knows what works on him, right? I mean, yeah. so maybe you have to go to an Eastern Orthodox church and get communion ra- wafers that are done with a pre-15th century rite. I mean, who knows what you have to use to actually get him? Because remember, uh, uh, Van Helsing... When he gets the host, he says he has an indulgence, right? He gets it special from this, you know, from the archbishop, one assumes, even though that doesn't ever happen. It's not <laughs> like they just ship that out. Oh, yeah, you're going to use it to, you're going to crumble it up and put it in putty and spread it across a grave. Sure, knock yeah. yourself out, you <laughs> blaspheming, horrible Dutchman. <laughs> so the implication is maybe it was specially prepared, right? That there's a, there's a little on the DL chain in the, in the Catholic church that is making special anti-vampire hosts. And so you can sort of get, still get the anti-demon without it being as easy as, oh, just go to the jewelry stop, spend, you know, fourpence, and now you can stop Dracula. Woo, yeah. That was a... Now, do you, do you include that in the game, the, the idea that perhaps within the church there is also an organization oh, yeah. that's... Yeah, that's oh, in man. there. Yeah, we've got, um, we've got, like I say, the archbishopric uh, is in there already as a conspiratorial node, and I think we've unlocked uh, Italy, which will have the the... the segment within the Vatican that if there are vampires out running around knows about it and what they do about it, of course, again, maybe they're out there hunting vampires like God ought to. They probably got, they probably got some albinos on it. Maybe they've been, maybe they've been co-opted by MI6 in the same way that a lot of people theorize the Vatican was co-opted by the CIA during the cold war. Or maybe these guys are like, well, you know, if we can just bring Dracula back to Christ, 
That would oh. be a powerful weapon against unbelievers, like you know, like, the Muslims. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, because yeah. Dracula was a crusader, right? His father, mm-hmm. the reason he's called Dracula, his father Vlad Dracul was the Order of the Dragon, which was a crusading order created by the, um, uh, 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 I believe it was a duke at the time of Bavaria. And he made uh, Vlad a, or maybe it was the Holy Roman Emperor, actually. He makes him a member of this of this crusading order, the Order of the Dragon. And so his son, Dracula, is the son of the dragon. He's a crusader. He's fighting the good fight for the church. Yeah. For both churches, as it turns out. So, uh, yeah, who knows what the Vatican's up to? They're not <laughs> telling. This is so fun to, to listen to, like the amount of detail, because we'd, uh, when we first talked to you, I, I sent you an email and I was like, oh, well, you know, would you like to just discuss, you know, the history, literal, you know, the, the, the literary history, or would you rather we play a session of the game? I absolutely see why that would never work. Like <laughs> hour 17 of blurry photos. <laughs> well, if you, if you want to hear a session of the game, you can go to a one shot RPG podcast where I did a session, but it's like four episodes of that podcast. Yeah. So. I was going to say, yeah, cause I mean, you, well, there's just no way in our time frame you would scratch this. I mean, first of all, we both know like 45 minutes of me going, so wait, what do I write down here? Wait, what's, what's my, what's my, what's my encumbrance? Hey, what's, what's my charisma? No encumbrance. You're Jason Bourne. <laughs> I would Could carry any amount yeah. anywhere. Uh, carry what you need to carry, bitch. No, yeah, tell me what you're doing. Your hands. That's and it. I think part of it is, uh, Ken, I've, I've played in a, a couple of different role-playing games with you. And I, I think that you know that maybe I'm not the most geared for role-playing. You're gaming. a dream role-player. <laughs> I would have you back in my game tomorrow if you could just show up at the same place at the same time twice in a row. God, if I, I wish I could. I wish I could. I'm an ethereal spirit. Oh, yes, Heisenberg Stecco. That's true. Yeah, you, you either can... know where he's going or what time he's going to get there. You can't know both. Oh man. Well, I'm. I you well, know. I mean, it's it's a great idea. I, I yeah. mean, not not for blurry photos probably, but for any other thing yeah. that that <laughs> any people th- know what they're getting into when they yes. yeah exactly. It. It's like what now we're doing up what now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think it'd be great yeah. yeah yes but no i mean it's i i just love the 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 branching nature of it yeah oh yeah well i mean something like dracula that is you know com- it combines being probably one of the four or five most important most influential cultural figures invented mm-hmm. in the last 200 years with the history of vlad the impaler who is a fairly terrific slash terrible you know locus of weird yeah plus obviously the history of vampires which is like as we mentioned you know one of the oldest myths in the world and also one of the most globally diverse and turns out just in its good old balkan version to be pretty redolent with weirdness all by its lonesome just i mean you can you know there's there's no bottom to this as with all of the wells that i open the cap of you know there's (laughs) not just one little japanese girl down there there's a whole host of them (laughs) Now, is there, and I, I can't remember her name, but um, it was a, uh, Rom- is that the, the Romanian Baroness, is it? She was Romanian royalty. I was doing the name of the little girl in the well, but oh. um, no, you mean uh, the Countess Bathory. Yes. The blood Countess. That's it. She's Hungarian, not Romanian. Oh, well. Although you will be happy to know that later on in life, the Draculas and the Bathories intermarry. Oh, and this happens look, right around the time that Elizabeth is marrying into the Bathory's. Obviously, she's not a Bathory by well, actually, I think she may be a Bathory by birth, but she is, you know, it, it's right around that 1600 mm-hmm. era 
that the Draculas and the Batheries start intermarrying. And we don't only know this because marriage records, even for the nobility, are very spotty. But all of a sudden, the Dracula family in Hungary starts using the Bathory arms. Ah. So we know that they're connected up somehow. And uh, and, and she is a, the, the blood countess who, um, uh, while her husband was away, uh, doing awful things to people. She would be at home. She doing was awful keeping things the home fires burning to everyone. Yeah. And the theory being that because she had uh, w- was sort of obsessed with staying young and beautiful, that she turned to ever darker magics to be able to do that, including eventually bathing in the blood of local young ladies that she would have her uh, sort of foresters go out and recruit into the into the palace. And you'd come and say, who wants to come live in the palace and make fat bank sewing things? Oh, I'd love that. Also, we may bathe in your blood. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? Yeah. I didn't. You, you said that very dental. quickly. We said dental. Oh, dental perfect. Plan. Perfect. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. And then again, like Vlad the Impaler, the degree to which this is spread by later propaganda, uh, the bath of blood doesn't show up in contemporary records. Even in the record of her trial, it shows up in a Jesuit uh, uh, sort of a hit piece against the Batheries because the Batheries were not fond of the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't show up until like 1720, I think. And she is immured in Stengy Castle in around 1613 and is never seen again. And one assumes that she dies because they stop feeding her through the slot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe she turns into a bat and flies away and yeah. screw you people. That's what I think. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, like Dracula's um, uh, drinking of blood, which only shows up much later on in, you know, uh, if it shows up at all. And this is a very fraught question. Uh, the Vlad the Impaler impaling people shows up in Turkish records and it shows up in German records and it shows up in church records. We're pretty sure he impaled a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, we don't necessarily know whether he did it, you know, just all the time as a lark. Uh, we don't know which of the stories like him nailing ambassadors hats to their heads. We don't know if yeah. those are true. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he was torturing animals in the courtyard of Visegrad Castle where he's being held by Matthias Corvinus. Uh, like a dining in the presence would. of yeah. people who were yeah right we we don't know how much of that is again because he was going after sort of the rich jerks of transylvania and of Wallachia at the time and a lot of those rich jerks happened to be church people and he would seize their property not necessarily to give it to poor people but because he wanted it right and then they would write mean things about him and so some of the dining in the in the light of burning corpses while they're impaled, that seems like it might have come out of Suetonius's Life of Nero. It doesn't really seem like it might be straight up Vlad. But on the other hand, Vlad was culturally educated. He might have said, I like what this Nero guy has. I want to do that. <laughs> Let's just give it a shot. Oh, right. I'm an absolute ruler, too. YOLO. Oh. <laughs> Let's see how, how long these corpses burn. And they're not corpses yet. Well... Yeah, give them time. Give them time. Yeah. Start burning them. They will be. Yeah, they'll get there. They'll get there. <laughs> or my name's not Vlad Dracula. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and even even don't wear in, it out. And I believe that we actually discussed this on an episode, and I don't recall why. But impaling is a horrible way to die, and it's not quick. No, no, it is not. But he's not. I mean, he didn't make it up. It was a Byzantine military punishment. Right. They would yeah. come in, and if you were a bogomil and being a big jerk, they would just impale you for being a big jerk. Yeah. And, and they that, did that to the Bulgarian army at one point. They, they, uh, they, they beat the Bulgarians really, really badly. And for whatever reason, the Byzantine uh, emperor felt that the Bulgarians had cheated during the war or that they'd rebelled against him without, you know, saying, you know, Ali Ali oxen free or whatever. <laughs> they didn't, so they didn't turn in a form 22 B. He just pretty much impaled and, the whole, you know, batch yeah. of them. And then others, I mean, they had any number of creative ways to deal with people that they didn't like, but yeah, it was, it's not like Vlad, 
made that up. That was no, just no, a no. thing. He just sort of did it really enthusiastically. <laughs> He's like, hey, that thing. Mm-hmm, that thing that you do maybe my, four or five really times. I'm really into that. It's like if, you know, suddenly someone said, I'm going to electrocute 40,000 people <laughs> right. at once. We would say, oh, yeah, you're Joe the electrocutor. We would not necessarily <laughs> yeah. say, you know, yeah, <laughs> where'd you, you did, get that idea? Yeah, you didn't invent it, but boy, you're, but you you're are taking now, it somewhere. It is, you're branding it. You're running with that ball. Right, yeah. It's like when Springsteen covers a song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not their song anymore. Now nope. it's Springsteen's song. Exactly. Or UB40. Yeah, Manfred Mann, getting back. Yeah. It's Springsteen's song. You, UB40 covers a song. Now it's theirs. Me first in the Gimme Gimme's. <laughs> That's right. Uh, do you, did you take any aspects of other cultures, vampire-like creatures, and, and included in uh, the dossier? I have some of that in the core book in Knights Black Agents. I've got like the Indian Buta, which is a vampiric ghost spirit. Is that the one that has the backwards feet? Most uh, Am I thinking of, uh, uh, of lots different... of evil things yeah. in Indian lore have backwards feet. It's a, oh. it's a tell. The, the Rakshasa is the one that has famously backwards feet that you're probably thinking of. Maybe, yeah. But I was thinking the Rakshasa. I know you Shut were. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we have, we have some of those in there and as we unlock more locations like if we unlock the china location uh-huh. there's going to be golden vampires ah. and whether or not they're going to be hopping vampires that you stop <laughs> with glutinous rice or whether they're going to be a different kind of chinese vampire i haven't decided yet because i kind of want to save hopping vampires for their own book because <laughs> they're just now, weird <laughs> yeah before we go getting further on that when you say unlock stuff can you explain to the listeners who might not be familiar with, with kickstarter it? yeah uh, ba- basically the way kickstarter works is that you set a price that you are trying to raise the amount of money to, to produce the book. This let's is, say you're this just case. going for just like an even million, just, just $1 right, million, straight up $1 million, $1 million. <laughs> Actually, we started at a, at a 10,000 pound mm-hmm. level, which is uh, enough to get the books printed, make them look nice, get them to people. Everything's copacetic. But as people pledge more money, uh, the way to encourage people to pledge more money is to offer stretch goals, which are things that if you get to, you know, the next, uh, if you pledge 2000 more, then we'll add an Ireland section. If you mm-hmm. pledge another 2000, then we'll add this. We'll put in a scenario. We'll put in maps of Castle Dracula. We'll do another thing. And reaching those that level, that funding level, is called unlocking the stretch goal. So at this writing, we were on our way to unlocking uh, Kate Reed's diary. Uh, Kate Reed is another character that Bram Stoker cut out of the novel but she was Mina, uh, Mina Murray's best friend. Mm-hmm. And she's mentioned, and it's maybe say, that she's a- going to be writing, she's, uh, she's writing a letter that might have gone to Kate in an early draft and Stoker doesn't really change it that much. But our theory is that, you know, Kate is cut for a reason. Kate knows too much. Kate uncovers what she shouldn't have uncovered. And so if we get to, I think it's 47,500, some number, something like that, uh, pounds, then we'll unlock that and I will, or probably I'll make guard to it. We'll write, uh, <laughs> because it turns out if you have an Irishman <laughs> making him write is such, I mean, I can see why MI6 did it. It's <laughs> such a good idea. But um, if you have an Irishman, right, do yourself a do favor. Do yourself a favor. Please make him write for you. Sure. And Kate knew too much at the time. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, we'll, we'll be unlocking Kate Reed's diaries and we'll add that to the Dracula unredacted. And similarly, uh, if we do the, uh, um, like, like we did with the Italy, you know, you had to get to a certain amount and then we unlocked Italy and now we're going to write some Italy stuff. Okay. So that's what it is. That's awesome though. Yeah, I mean, that's I, very cool. I mean, 
I want to, I want to just read it. I want yeah. to, you know, like, but I, I, I can see how this is such a, a fun, expansive, like l- large campaign because, mm-hmm. uh, your, your question, your lines of questioning are okay. Well, maybe, you know, we can find where Dracula is, but then there's the whole question. Okay. So say you find him, what are you going to do mm-hmm. now? You've got to, now you've got to research just what you're saying. How do you stop him or slow him down or reason with him? You know? And are, are these other agents working for you? Are they against you? You know, probably against you. Let's just, probably. let's just say Odds against. Are. By you the know, time it's all said and done, yeah. they're going to be against you. Right. But you might be able to flip them because they've got their own motives for yeah. being as part of Edom. And some of them are like, you know, we want to do it for this reason. But others are like, I really didn't get in to protect a serial killer. I got in to protect Britain. Mm. And so maybe you can flip that guy. And so we give everyone their own little motivations in the course of the, of, of the book. Uh, and if you pledge now, uh, you get access to the director's handbook, which is all those NPCs and the locations and the magic items and everything else. And the actual Dracula unredacted, when we get it done, you'll you'll get a PDF of that work document by the time we get it done as well. And then assuming you've, um, uh, you, you've pledged for more, you'll get the actual book. Boom. Boom. Or now, books. Now, I have a question for you because we, we kind of made some jokes about it, but I mean, uh, vampires extraordinarily popular for the last 10 years mm-hmm. really them and zombies right going crazy it out how do how do you jive that with with what you're working on do you make any attempt to in, include the, the 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 very modern the most you know the last 10 years the the true bloods the the twilights the the blades you know the underworlds any of those things i um I mean, with some of them, with Blade, for example, you've sort of got a little of that anyway, because there's a conspiracy of vampires. It goes back to the oldest vampires. They've got, you know, Renfields in, you know, human society. That's sort of a model for a good vampire conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the vampires in Blade, by and large, are not sexy, kissy vampires. They're gross, nasty right. vampires. I mean, they, they have n- vampire nightclubs. Oh, no, to- Parker Posey's in that, that third one. It's, oh, it's, she's always adorable. That's all right. Yeah, but that's all right. She's no Jessica Biel shooting people with a longbow. <laughs> Nobody is. Touche. Right. Right. <laughs> My point Touchy. is made, sir. Touchy. Yes. Um, interestingly, Stoker, when he wrote Dracula, seems to have been deaf to the amount of sex he put into that novel. He puts a lot in. I mean, you yeah. don't really have to dig very far uh, from Dracula forcing Mina's head down onto his chest to uh, <laughs> drink his blood. Um, uh, th- there's lots of yeah. stuff in there that is pretty clearly not very sublimated sexual yeah. material. But it's not that far long after he writes the novel that he's giving lectures to literary societies about how we just have to take keep the sex out of popular fiction you can't be putting sex into everything hmm. it's just it's bit a betrayal of your role as a novelist maybe he's like i, I wrote the last great erotic thriller i, I, you, I need you, to maybe this yeah, over. it may have been if you're not tall enough to go on the ride don't try yeah but i think it was just nope the magic of the victorian era that you can write this stuff and sort <laughs> of think god that was a really powerful section of prose i wrote i feel like a bath <laughs> possibly a cold bath yeah <laughs> um, really but anyway bath. the uh so i don't I don't believe that it's my job to make vampires more sexy. I think that, you know, Catherine right. Deneuve did that mm-hmm. and good for her. But I think that what it is my job to do is make them dangerous, horrible, predatory monsters. Mm-hmm. Again. And in your game, you can play Dracula as sexually attractive or you can play him as a horrible foreign rapist, which is how Stoker obviously thinks of him. <laughs> and 
the goal is just to make sure that you play him as a. It was the original working title, horrible form, <laughs> foreign rapist dossier. Yes, we 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 test marketed that in a couple of segments. People and got it, confused. They thought it was a CSI episode. Well, there was there was some there was some. Uh, Issues. There's a. It's a pre-existing uh, trademark. It turns <laughs> there's, out there's a Turkish uh, Sunday comic by right. that same name. Right. Yes. <laughs> comes I, up. Yeah, it's ironically very critical of the British crown. Uh, Not so that yeah. ironically. <laughs> uh, just real quick. There's a actual Turkish forgery called the Diary of Mister Hemfer, which blames the British for starting Wahhabist. Islam, right? Starting the hardcore Al Qaeda style Islam. And this came out in the 1880s, I think, or 1890s, because the Turks see these radical Islamic groups growing up on their frontiers. And they're like, where did this come from? This is horrible. This is against everything we believe. You know who started the British? We hate those fuckers. <laughs> Blame Canada. Right. And so they they wrote, they had their own sort of protocols of the elders of Zion, except <laughs> instead of the Jews, it was the British that they blamed. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, not yes, that hard. To not believe. that hard to do. But the um, but, yeah, I wanted to make sure that Dracula is evil. And I don't necessarily. I mean, first of all, it's not a visual medium. It's a it, it, it's a, a theater of the words, not of the not of the of the site. So our Dracula, he may look. I mean, actually, what he's going to look like is what Dracula looks like. Stoker describes him in the novel. You mm-hmm. know what he looks like. And so he's going to look like that, but he's not going to be, you know, all dreamy and, and ab, abby and everything. He's just going to be a monster. He's not going to be like a 19 year old boy. Yeah. I mean, and again, the notion that out of all the things you can do with Dracula, you know, jumping right to the brides, we've got the brides in there. You can mm-hmm. make the brides as frontline as you want. And the brides certainly have that effect on Jonathan in the novel. Yeah. So you can you can present sexy vampires, but it's not the thrust of, of what I'm doing. And in term, it's not really phrasing. in response to the Anne Rice uh, <laughs> phrasing. Are we still doing that? <laughs> not even a response to the to the Anne Rice so much as it is a, a you know in parallel yeah. to that kind of vampire. I mean, just make sure they're evil and they can be as sexy as you want. I guess right. that's what I'm saying. Gotcha. That, that, that Let's makes not lose sense. sight of our priorities. Yeah, and you also at the same time don't you don't have any any need or, or real um, motivation to try to to check off all the varieties. You don't have to go down the list of types of vampires and make sure that everyone gets their, their two no, seconds. No, in there at all. no this, I mean, just living up to what Stoker wrote is, is a big right. enough job as I think I've clearly. Conveyed. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, making an Anne Rice vampire show up while mm-hmm. it might be fun and it might be something that we do in one of the ancillary products. Like if it funds, if we open it, if it unlocks, I want to write something called the Carmilla sanction in which mm-hmm. your Edom agents in 1955, Going into Styria in Austria to kill Carmilla just to do it. Because yeah. she's a vampire and you hate her. And this is Edom back when before everything goes wrong. Yeah. When they're still good guys. And they're just saying, oh, you know what, vampires? Let's kill those guys. We hate them. And I, I you know, so we're going to have sort of touching on other vampire stories. We're going to try and keep it out of the main core mm. of the book. So you don't have to ever play the Carmilla sanction if you don't want to. But it'll be there as something you can sort of think about. in the And if you want to risk, you know, IP lawyers getting mad at you and write your own, you know, Edom versus Lestat in a war all against all. I can't stop you, but I legally can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Carmilla, thankfully, public domain. Mm. That's Thanks, right. Passage of time. And, and Dracula is actually public Absolutely, domain. Absolutely, yes. And um, uh, has, has been you know, for, for a good long while. Um, although, ironically, of course, it's, it's 
thanks to the copyright of Dracula that we almost lost Nosferatu because mm. Florence Stoker recognized that for what it was, which was an obvious piracy of her husband's novel <laughs> and demanded that every print be destroyed. And if the Argentines hadn't just ignored courts, we wouldn't have Nosferatu now. But Nosferatu also in public domain, so we can mention Orlock by name and even put stills from the movie in if we want as illustrations. That's right. Just watch me do it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Orlock makes a great what the Germans do with Van Helsing's research. Yeah. Right. I just I think that's terrific. There's also a Hans Heinz Evers novel called uh, I think it's Der Vampir. It's about um, a guy named Frank Brown, who's a German spy during World War One in New York. And he's he got the right name and he becomes a vampire. Oh, and weirdly by drinking the blood of his Jewish mistress. And that's what makes him strong. Wow. So thanks Hans Heinz Evers. And yeah. Now we've solved the mystery of how he got purged in 1934, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> despite being a member of the Nazi party before the, 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 the coup. So it's Hans Heinz ketchup red. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's a, he's a job of work himself. And, um, <laughs> The guy who's, trans- who's doing the first modern translation of De Vampire because the English translation that came out in 1920 or whenever is terrible, apparently, and cuts out a third of the novel. It's like, oh. this is not a novel I only want to read two thirds of. <laughs> right. <laughs> there are no A's or these or that's. In <laughs> well, it's German, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just run it all together. But uh, yeah, when that comes out, I'm definitely, we may re- revisit the career of um, uh, Frank Brown. But until then, there's a little, you know tip of the hat to him in the in the text and we can move past him or not cool which i and I, which is a nice thing that you can you can do uh you know for people playing the game or even as a writer as long as you include those parts it's really up to the people to decide mm-hmm. how, if, if that's how a big part they want to blow it up yeah right. exactly yeah we give that as one of the possible routes for the germans to have their own vampire program mm-hmm. the russians could have their own vampire program uh the, in dracula's guest which is a short story that stoker may or may not have written and it may or may not have been a chapter cut from Dracula. We don't know. We're putting it back in anyway, uh, because that is a werewolf. Um, and therefore it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the countess Dolingen of Graz, who is uh, possibly one of Dracula's brides, her corpse is, her, her grave is found there with a giant iron spike through it and an inscription in Russian on the tomb. And it's like, well, that sounds to me like <laughs> Catherine, the great secret anti-vampire unit went through Germany and shut her down. <laughs> And so I just put them in. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Now that that you just uh, raised another question that I had for you, uh, <laughs> was it about Catherine the Great Secret Anti Vampire Unit? That is exactly what it was about. Okay, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> right, but then. sadly, no time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to go. Uh, no. So obviously, you're 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 not starving for for directions and branches and areas to to include, but you mentioned the werewolf. Mm-hmm. So once you're once you you open the box and you're you're going this this uh, thoroughly through vampiredom, you know those other those other classic creatures pop up here and there. Mm-hmm. How are those handled? Uh, we since there is a werewolf in Dracula's guest, or at least mm-hmm. a, a, a magic wolf that may or may not be a transformed vampire. It may be something. One of the scenarios that we have uh, may is going to be a werewolf hunt if if we get that far we may unlock the werewolf as a possible, you know, servant of Dracula. Mm -hmm. Again, he, he can turn into a wolf in the, in the novel. Right. Um, so, and he controls the, the, the wolf at the London zoo with his vampire mind. Mm -hmm. So if you think that maybe he can, you know, turn a wolf Renfield, basically, if you can take sort of the one larger version of berserker, the novel, the, the novels wolf, and maybe make it like a Dracula's servant, awesome wolf, 
you're not too far from werewolves already. Yeah. And so we we will put in the possibility where he's sort of like a level boss. So <laughs> Dracula is off doing one thing and he's like, I, I can't handle this right now. My brides are busy or I don't trust them because they keep trying to drink things I want to drink later. Um, <laughs> hey, werewolf, you go you go straighten these chumps out. And so it's great, of course, if you're all loaded up for, for vampire and suddenly a werewolf shows up. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I brought no silver bullets and I'm not sure they would work anyway. Colloidal silver. <laughs> That's why you should always have it with you. Always have it with you. Just if everything's always silver bullets, then you're always prepared. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the um, uh, but yeah, we we may put the vampire, the werewolf, in as sort of a a a, a, a level boss or part of Dracula's um, empire. And again, once you start looking into sort of secret origins of uh, horror classics, right. there's no bottom to that Frankenstein well either. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, and given that Helsing in the novel talks about strange galvanic force, right, about mm-hmm. electricity that's created in earthquakes and deepen the earth as a possible source for vampires. Let's see electricity, dead people. I'm pretty, (laughs) I know where we're going with this. So we may wind up putting a, a a creature into the, Hmm. into the thing, but it's going to be very much a, if the GM thinks that the world needs an awesome universal horror mashup, they can put in the werewolf and the creature. If not, there's plenty of other stuff to kill. So, and this would be, so I guess in, in broad strokes, it would be, there is a, a an individual that might come in, but not anything. And again, like we were talking about with more modern things, like an underworld where there's a faction, there's a whole secret no, army. No, it of, wouldn't be that there's the, the yeah. I mean, our underworld is that there's a, it's, it's the secret, uh, uh group within MI six versus Dracula's conspiracy, mm-hmm. except not really versus because they've sort of made their peace with it. Yeah. And so your job is to screw that up as the players. <laughs> Um, you got to stir that pot. Right. Just keep it going. But no, a whole faction of werewolves or a whole faction of um, of Frankensteins, that begins to sort of, I think, weaken the dramatic centrality of it. Yeah. I, people stop being important. Yeah. Right. And so I I mean, I've got my ideas for a for a, a world in which there is a giant underground trade in, in uh, resurrected human body parts. I've got ideas for a counterinsurgency role playing game with werewolves as the bad guys. Um, I got a lot of great ideas and <laughs> part of my goal is to keep having so many that simon can never actually uh, fire me because he keeps wanting to publish them yeah perfect <laughs> but um but we're not going to make we're not going to dilute dracula by making him share the stage okay. with a bunch of you know yeah. s- second rank monsters i mean he's the star it's his dossier yeah. <laughs> he's on the cover right he is actually <laughs> both covers uh-huh. what has uh, what has been your favorite and least favorite adaptation let's say just film wise because there's been like yeah no yeah. shortage of of over pop culture in general let's narrow it down to film mm-hmm. what's been your favorite and least favorite uh dracula dracula iteration i mean my favorite is easily the hammer original 1958 horror of dracula in america just dracula in britain christopher lee mm-hmm. peter cushing you're never going to get better casting than that and i think that terence fisher realize the core truth of the story in a way that even though he really changes the the events of the of the plot and he moves it around geographically the the central story that this is a hateful foreign aristocrat who is raping his way into middle class britain is still there it's still very visceral and very angry and and it presents dracula as a clearly a demonic figure it's very very strong on what the book is about and also you know for God's sake, Christopher Lee, just in his prime, you can't top him. (laughs) 
by extension, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, uh, which he called Bram Stoker's Dracula, because apparently you can do that, <laughs> um, is ridiculous because it makes Dracula like, oh, he's just sad because he misses Winona Ryder so much. And then he finds <laughs> Winona Ryder again. And oh, joy there. Oh, look at that. And all the visual extravagance of that film mm-hmm. is wasted or deliberately uh, desecrated. Right. The all the all the attempt to bring it, bring Hammer into the into the modern age, the way that Coppola films it is done as a as a joke. Right. He's ironically distanced himself from his own aesthetic. Like when you see Van Helsing cutting the roast beef and the blood pouring out of the roast beef. That's a joke. Yeah. That's not something that, you know, Fisher could contemplate because he believed in evil. Coppola doesn't believe in anything. Coppola barely believes in <laughs> filmmaking anymore. And so it, 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 you, you have these individual set pieces that are individually are really good, like with the absinthe and with the, the early film as sort of a metaphor for the coming of this new era. Mm. And it's just all squandered. Gary Oldman's performance is squandered. Um, and then, oh my God, the, the hunters are terrible. It's like the worst <laughs> cast in the world. I mean, Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker, Anthony Hopkins, uh, although we borrow his name for the code name for our 2011 uh, analyst, mm-hmm. he's a very bad Van Helsing. He plays it broadly as as a comic character, which is the wrong way to do it. And and then you know you can imagine him sitting in the editing room saying, "Why doesn't this work? Why is there no dramatic tension?" It's like, oh, I don't know, because you barely have a Dracula, much less a Van Helsing. The reason yeah. that the story works is both of them are strong characters, and they can't both win. And you are looking at you know Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. You know that they want to tear the other one out of the movie. You believe that. Is it, is it, and in Coppola's, it just doesn't work. It's terrible. Coppola's or is it the interview with a vampire that has Tom Waits as the Ren, Renfield? It's Coppola's. 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 Yeah. And and Waits is, does a great job as, as Renfield, but again, you know, he's no Dwight Fry and he's not saving the whole movie. Well, I think that Tom Waits has lived his entire life under the weight of he's no Dwight Fry. Yeah. Well, obviously he's, he's had to deal with that. Also eating bugs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's just, that's just good protein right there. (laughs) Crispy. Efficient. (laughs) <laughs> little lives make a bigger life <laughs> Tom yeah. Waits just is good and creepy all the time yeah no I mean I mean again I would like to see a movie with you know Gary Oldman as Dracula and Tom Waits as Renfield and I would like to see a Dracula movie ideally yeah, with that casting that would be even better it's like when people say you know um, uh, what, what do you think they'll do for the Man of Steel sequel and I say I don't know put Superman in it that'd be nice <laughs> <laughs> just to see what happens just yeah what what the hell roll the dice people like superman <laughs> who, maybe put him in a movie who would be your who would be your ideal cast for a dracula movie I, I i think you know in the modern era you could put together you know any number of good draculas i we're not short of you know you could depending on how you wanted to play him you could do um uh i, I forget if max von Sydow's still alive but he'd make a terrific dracula you yeah could, you he's could, still alive yeah you could bring in um i mean he made a great ming the merciless i mean the actually the cast for Argento's Dracula is a pretty strong one with Rutger Hauer as Van Helsing and Udo Kier as Dracula. Although the trouble of course is that I, I think Rutger Hauer was not well during the <laughs> filming because he, he spends a lot of the movie leaning against things <laughs> being very tired and Argento has his own. I mean, if you're not an Argento fan, that's not going to be your Dracula. I mean, I am. So it was, but I'm a Sargento fan, the shredded cheese, the shredded cheese. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ. That's a whole, that's well, wow. I've got my own problems. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we've only scratched the surface yeah. of them here tonight. When, when we don't know what you're talking about, Ken, we make a cheese we joke. Make a cheese joke. <laughs> is, that, is that a tell? Is that what that is? <laughs> 
That means I've missed a lot of cheese jokes. <laughs> Went by under the rain. Oh, no, that's what you meant when you kept calling him Havarti P. Lovecraft. That's I right. Get it now. Ah, I thought you were just mispronouncing Howard it's for some a, odd reason of your it own. It's Havarti Pepper Jack Lovecraft. Lovecraft. That's right. <laughs> Limburger Craft. Thank you. Uh, no, and that's and that's what's actually why we love having you on here is that you know like we don't have to do anything. <laughs> Other podcasts have discovered that just put a nickel in can and you can take off the headphones and walk away slowly. <laughs> tell us real quick. Uh, tell us where you can find your stuff uh, because I'm going to have a link on the site and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, if if somebody's just sitting there. If you, go on, if you go on kickstarter.com and you search on Dracula and Pelgrane, P-E-L-G-R-A-N-E, that's the publisher, you will find it. Uh, if you can spell dossier, search Dracula dossier. That's also going to work. Our listeners totally can do that. I we know actually that have pretty high class right. listeners. Well, a lot of times you get people who are just mad at the French still. Yeah. They refuse for, to spell Except for Danny f***ing giblets. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you, you uh, search on Kickstarter for Dracula dossier Pelgrane, and that will uh, uncover... Uh, the 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 link for the for the Kickstarter while it's going on, and once it's not going on, go on the Pelgrane uh, Press website and you can pre-order it and then order it. It's Christmas coming up. That's Absolutely, right. it's a it's a gift that we'll literally keep on giving. Yeah, because we're not going to ship it until summer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what makes it so cool, though. You yeah, know, you get it now, right. you forget. Well, maybe that's, that's what Kickstarter is. It's a present. It's it's like a birthday you didn't know you had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kickstarter, a birthday you didn't know you had. They should have like a picture of the Mad Hatter that says Kickstarter, a very merry unbirthday to you. That's yep. right. And they won't get sued for that at all. There's one thing Disney's real cool with is everyone Just appropriating its characters. Use the Tennille. You're all good. Oh. What? <laughs> He's the illustrator of Alice, the original. Oh. Yeah. I thought you were referring to the captain in Tennille, and I was like, I don't remember talking about that. <laughs> Well, you could also use that. Sure. <laughs> I'm not saying it's an either or. Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, I think we've summarily popped the lid off this casket and cut off the head of this monster, if shoved a stake through its heart. Was it the right one? Cloves of garlic in its mouth, and will all those things even affect it? Who knows, man? Who knows? You don't know. Was this the actual Dracula? Was this just some poor sap that was set up to make it look like because you're getting too close to the real Dracula? You don't even know these answers because you didn't spend enough time researching. Researching. <laughs> Ask your Hunting. GM. That's right. Yeah. Ask your GM. <laughs> Get him a little drunk. See what happens. Uh, well, Ken, we thank you for coming on. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for having so me. As always. I, I always love uh, blurring the photos with you. <laughs> as do we. As do we. And the beauty of it is, Ken, you know so much that we will always have you back on. <laughs> I don't even, I'm, you know what? I think in the future we should just schedule a day and none of us know what we're talking about until Ken gets here. (laughs) Hi guys. Yeah. (laughs) Today Today, we're talking about the lost continent of Mew. Really? Awesome. (laughs) Done. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm just very happy that blurry photos, uh, sets up its developer tank in, in my wheelhouse as it does. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And so is blurry photos. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on, Ken. You're always welcome. I know uh, all of our listeners really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Robots, I was talking to last week, one of our, our regular listeners, and he was like, really? You got a Ken Hyde coming up? <laughs> 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 You're welcome, Johnny. I did it just for you. Yep. That's my fans. <laughs> Guys with robot names. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, though, um, uh, Johnny Robots recently culled because of you know iPhone space. 
mm-hmm. he culled down his entire list of podcasts to blurry photos and Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Oh, wow. right. Ken and Robin talk about stuff.com. That's right. Any award winning and golden geek award winning podcast with nice. Robin Laws. My uh, co-designer and stable mate at Paul Grain Press. One of these days, we're going to win an award. We're going to try. You've won an award we'll in my heart, Dave. That's the only award I wanted. That's it. That's right. Because I spelled know- our names wrong, though, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, I was pretty sure it was D-A-I-V. Yeah. Yep. That's, Dave. That's how Dave. I've always spelled it. Is there two ways? Diva. That's how it's written on my heart. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff. That's on uh, the, the, the iTunes. It's on all your podcast where, locations. Wherever, wherever you, you want to find it, you will get it. And you will, or Ken and Robin talk about stuff.com, mm-hmm. our own website that we have. Uh, again, some of the best intro music in the entire business. James Semple, who, again, a stretch goal. If we get far enough, we will get a James Semple Dracula suite for the Dracula dossier. Shut wow. up. So that by oh. itself. Should make you rush out and mm-hmm. put down all the Christmas money. <laughs> all of it. All of it. So that you can get a James Semple Dracula soundtrack. How awesome would that be? That so would be awesome. extraordinarily awesome because I really do like the music you guys yeah. have for well for Ken and Robin. You know, when you're pals with a composer, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's a good composer. Right? I think that you have like the League of, League of Extraordinary uh, like friends slash accomplices. That's my goal. <laughs> That's... That's the way Very to do it. Very hard to skate through life if you know nothing but incompetence, Dave. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's the lesson that I've taught myself. Yeah. Surround um, yourself with people who are much better at their jobs than you are. <laughs> then just smile and say, I pointed him out to you, didn't I? You hmm. just stumbled upon the secret of blurry photos. <laughs> Flora is like the, the, the coloration that I drape myself in to get through the day. <laughs> uh, okay. That's how it works in nature. That's right. <laughs> I, I win you your mates. That's right. That's right. Turn around and display Flora. <laughs> I am the red ass of Dave Stecco. <laughs> I am Dave Stecco's red ass. Oh, this has uh, been Fight Club Two. That's right. Well, I think it's I think it's about time for some puns. Oh, you know it is. Dracula dossier puns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Flora, why don't you kick them puns off? All right. I've got an old computer program. Uh, an, an old game that, that you can play. Just you, you just type it in and, and read. That's all you do. Uh-huh. It's based on Stoker's Horror, though. Okay. It's called Dracula MS Dossier. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Is that a text-based adventure? It's text-based, yeah. You type in, you read, you follow along. Great fun. It's all on like uh, five and a half inch floppies. Yeah. Like yeah. 12 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right next to your copy of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Make sure not to open the drive when the light's on because it makes a terrifying sound. And- yes. <laughs> Let the demons out. That's right. Ken, you got a pun? Well, uh, after hearing the... Oh, oh sh- I just remembered how bad Ken kicks our asses on puns. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, well, I think that uh, it's important, especially for young girls... We always have to be thinking about young girls. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, that uh, you have, you know, a, a, a good uh, mental preparation for the for the world. So there is a line of cosmetics that, while they may not be the most attractive cosmetics, <laughs> really work on that inner confidence, that ability to lift a coffin over your head, that ability to turn into a sea of rats. It gives you what we like to call <laughs> nose for attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. There's nothing. There's no way I'm touching that. <laughs> Maybe it's Mabel Lud. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you burned that one. I did. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was the, uh, 
in the mid eighties, the, uh, attempt to, to cash in not only on a popular musical trend, but to once again, get, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula onto the stage and using metal, lots of, uh, hair, um, guys kind of with more makeup than a guy should wear lots of skin tight, uh, spandex. And they, they called it glam stroker glam stroker. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's what I, that's all that work was for that. (laughs) The mountain labored and gave forth a mouse. (laughs) This is what, this is what happens that this is a humiliation. I'm willing to bear for the sake of an entertaining podcast. (laughs) That's an interesting theory. Yeah. (laughs) You may want to examine part B of that. Are you sure that's what you're getting? <laughs> I mean, if you, as long as you're entertained, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I know I'm having them just a peach of a time. I think those, those vampires definitely are sparkling. Are you not yeah. entertained? <laughs> Flora? All right. Uh, <laughs> Flora, because we're done with me. Flora, <laughs> Flora, please. I've got a water gun invented by an Irishman to spray the blood of the innocent onto all your friends. Mm-hmm. Bram Super Soaker. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Sure. All right. Why not? Sure. That yeah. was a pun. Yeah. All right, Ken. Just, just, just aim for the fences. Swing away. <laughs> Did you? I forgot to ask. Do you like playing t-ball? Oh, do I? <laughs> I, I just need my um uh, my my bottle of gin and my hookers before I can call the shot <laughs> yeah, properly. That's right. That's the thing. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's everybody. Yeah. Who doesn't? That's why more people don't do it now. <laughs> um. There's a there's a charity. Uh, that you know, as, as you know, I don't like to plug my charity work, but I do. Mm-hmm. I do some charity work. No, you're a humble man. A Ken. humble man. Um, and it's humble a, uh, it, it's something that you know sort of creates bonds within the community. It it helps uh, reach out and and get everyone together hunting vampires in their own mm-hmm. in their own uh, in their own local area. Um, it's called the Van Helsing Hands. <laughs> 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 yep. <Shit. laughs> Every time. <laughs> Um, you know, there was uh, a lot of historical uh, documents about another Romanian back from, again, 1450s, 1470s, this area, um, although very rarely left his castle owing to a lot of respiratory issues. <laughs> was, yeah. Did he have them? Did he yeah, have those? He had a lot of respiratory of issues. Asthma, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Allergies, yeah, yeah. Pollen, dander, yeah. human flesh raining down in the form of ash, any of that. <laughs> All of these things. All of these things. And, uh, also cats, weirdly. Yeah, and he, so he was constantly having to take uh, medicine for this, and, and so he got the sobriquet Vlad the Inhaler. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There we go. At the... And he comes roaring that was, back. If that's the word I want to use. <laughs> There's nothing better than when you smell the pun and you're like, oh, so, is this what happened? Because yeah. that, yeah. Yep, that's the one. Yep. Written by Bram Smoker. Ah, oh, see? Oh. This guy. This guy's coming <laughs> in with where, all like the. That's where I thought you were going. <laughs> oh, so them's puns. Them's puns. And now, Ken, I command you to silence for this darkest ritual of our daily podcast experience. <laughs> you may have noticed I am a slightly more Russian vampire. <laughs> <laughs> now, let us drink deeply of this sweetest blood. Of listener mail! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> boogity, boogity. I hope you don't get scared by all this listener mail. Uh, I, I'm I'm just the soundboard for this. <laughs> you did. You're, you're killing I'm it. Sitting back. Killing it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. All right. What we got this week? So many letters. First, Lumpels. commander of the 5th and 7th legions, General Ironicus. Oh! <laughs> Hey, dude, you're like you're like that that mad money guy with the big plungers <laughs> I, I, I thought i was done i guess i wasn't <laughs> uh, <Ironicus> ho! <laughs> is he a thundercat yeah <laughs> okay yeah 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 he is he's a thundercat <laughs> really cool show suggestion uh talking about um uh, serial killers but also you know things like uh jack the ripper and all the weird areas that gets into i mean gosh i mean just uh Alan Moore's from hell alone covers. I mean, you get the Masons, you get all mm-hmm, kinds of crazy mm-hmm. stuff in there. So that's really interesting. Uh, but UFO cults, the Ethereus society, the Raelians. Wow. I've never heard of either of them. So I'm definitely going to look into that. Sure. Sure. So yeah. And you know, Jack the Ripper, such a, such a cool thing, but still, still on that a list. And I, I just don't know if we can, Oh, Johnny, you're so popular. I don't know if I could ever make out with you on a podcast. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to figure it out somehow. Why are you the guy from the Shana <laughs> Nahas? It turned out that way. It just, it just ended up there. <laughs> Hanging out at the Blurry Photos house. Bunch of topless teenagers. Drinking egg creams. Having a great time. <laughs> Having a great time. God, when will our limitless plagiarism of, of what we consider to be really great podcasts? I don't know. Is it homage or plagiarism? We just keep doing it. I it's, don't know. It's um, it's a plomage. It's a plomage. You know, it's because we always also mention that that's the uh, Andy Daly podcast pilot, pilot, pilot podcast project, project pilot, whatever it is. Listen pilot, to it. There's like six podcast. episodes. It's like a BBC TV show. Yeah. You can listen to all of it in an afternoon and you'll be glad you did. Uh, and I'm also glad. That General Ironicus wrote in. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Flo, Flo, okay, now I'm up. Um, (laughs) And I'm going to have an aneurysm. (laughs) Heard from Paddy O'Furniture. Oh, Paddy. Of the the West Cattery O'Furnitures. By all means, have a seat. Oh, so you brought your own. Patty said he listened to the Civil War episode, was verily confused at first. Nice. Oh, head fake. We do that. And he has a personal Civil War ghost experience to share with us. Patty? How old are you? Uh, he says when he was a teenager, he had a friend that lived in a former plantation house in, get this, Dave, Kentucky. Whoa. So that guy actually had an old Kentucky home. That's right. He wasn't uh, very familiar with the history of it or anything, but um, still had an old spring house on the property that had bullet holes in the wall and a three-inch cannonball embedded in the brick near the roof. Wow. That's I mean, it's it's tragic that that ever happened, but it's cool. Well, that's just cool. To survive is is yeah, cool. yeah. History alive. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he said he slept over at this house one night uh, with his friend, I think, and uh, said he he would they were awakened in the middle of the night uh, 
around 2.30 a.m. by his friend's father stomping down the stairs. And he was angry, and they heard him call the police. And he told them that there was some kind of party going on on the property without their permission. Mm. They got up and asked him what was going on. He said there was a bunch of people outside shouting and making all kinds of noise. They hadn't heard anything, but they ran over to the window to get a look at the yard. No one was there. Okay. They still didn't hear anything. And he was confused, but suggested maybe they were back further into the trees. And he said you could hear them clearly from his room upstairs. So they all went up to uh, the, the father's room. And sure enough, you could hear a dozen or so men periodically shouting at each other from outside. And they couldn't make out any specific words. And when they looked out the window, they still couldn't see anybody. That wasn't too unusual uh, because the property was large. The yard had several several trees and no lights or anything. And eventually a couple of cops arrived. His friend's dad explained what was happening and the cops went out together to break up the party. And they all watched from the upstairs window as they walked the entire property. And they continued to hear the voices from the yard. But after about 20 minutes, the cops returned to the house They said they didn't see anyone there, and there was no evidence of a group of partiers uh, being there. They suggested, in very diplomatic tone, that perhaps the men had scattered when they saw the cops arrive. They countered that mm, they could still hear the voices as the cops were walking back to the house. So the cops went upstairs to the bedroom, and sure enough, you could hear the people shouting. Ah! From the window, one of them shined his flashlight in the direction that the sound was coming from, and the other cop went outside and walked in the direction of the light. They heard him radio that he didn't hear anything. He searched the area and still found nothing. He even shouted up at them, and the volume and direction matched the other shouting. The only difference was that they could understand his words clearly. The cops hung around for about an hour, and in that time the shouts grew less frequent and eventually stopped altogether. The next day, as they were talking about it, my friend's dad told them, that this was the third time he'd heard the shouting. He believed that there must have been some Civil War skirmish on the property, or maybe it was used by soldiers as as a camp during the war, and the voices were the ghosts of the men who lived or died on the property. Ah, I think it'd be the ghosts of the men who died on the property that makes mm. more sense to me. One other thing, he was thinking if the country was fighting with itself, wouldn't that be called a Civil War? Like brother on brother, sibling. sibling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way to tuck that little bookmark in at the end. He's also got a mundane superpower. Oh, thank God. It's called meteorological amplification. Basically, whatever the weather is outside, it is amplified exponentially in your general area. It's great for picnics, and it doesn't bother him much since he lives in beautiful California now. But it can be bothersome and dangerous if a storm comes up. He gets along fine with the help of his weather-sensing assistance dog. He's a hail hound. Wow. Mundane superpower combos into a pun. Oh, nobody saw it coming. Ghost story to lead it off. <laughs> oh. This guy, this guy. This guy is a, a rising star. Triple rising threat. Star. Triple threat. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Patty O'Furniture. Hey, Thank you, sir. We got an email from Johnny Robots that we we had to decode from binary. That's right. Oh, Johnny Robots, you're the robotiest. (laughs) 
robots. <laughs> Why not robots? <laughs> Johnny Robot says, laugh, laugh, laugh. There was a high delta of humor in the 22-minute mark of episode 9-1. Human David <laughs> made a black Betty joke. Human Dave did not respond or acknowledge. Conflict is humor. Laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you, Johnny Roberts. That's very true. Bam, blam. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny Roberts. Haven't heard from you for a yeah. while. Welcome back. 01001001001001001001001. No, wait. That w- I meant one, not zero. I think he, I think he understood. Okay. <laughs> Dramatic guitar. As I check in the security of the hacienda, I occasionally like to pull out a small, a brief message from Don Luke to remind me of our, our good times together because we are such good friends. And they look like I keep uh, fortunes from fortune cookies, but these are the writings of Don Luke. Ah, this is a brief, brief message from Don Luke that always gives me the chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Sergeant Garcia, what do you call a rhythm in the blues vocal group composed of uh, hellhounds? I could never answer that. You are too clever, Don Luke. A duot group. <laughs> oh, Don Luke, your parts are so priceless. They are like treasures I keep near my heart. <laughs> Oh, we got a sweet, sweet email from Lana. Lana, Billy, 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 Billy. <laughs> now you're a riff. <laughs> That's right. She's a Kentucky cyclone. <laughs> I don't even know if that means anything, but no, it just it sounded does. right. Yeah, pretty deadly. <laughs> Lana writes the following. Hey, fellas. Hey. Uh, I have to say she was a little sad that on our rundown of uh, holidays to come, we didn't mention Xmas, uh, and that's that's an oversight. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get a holiday off the ground here. Uh, for those of you who are not aware of this, Xmas is a holiday that I'm inventing that happens uh, on Yule, the longest night of the year. The winter solstice. The winter solstice. It, December 21st this year. Yep, the 21st, the big two one. Here's the thing. What's the thing? Uh, there's no holidays just dedicated to you and the man or woman you love just getting freaking nasty all night long. It's cold, yeah. it's dark, it's long. Yeah, what else are you going to do? It's the perfect time for it. And now people say, oh, what about Valentine's Day? Dude, that's about ex- that's about commercialized, that's about hard to get reservations and expensive flowers and no one's yeah. happy. This one, we tell you to stay home. Specifically yeah, you stay, stay home. home. You just hang out and you just have a bunch of sex. Like, you do the best job you can yeah. of, with the sex. You think about it, you plan it out. And it's great, and everybody's I, there's happy. food involved. There, you eat yeah. well before you the sex, or yeah. maybe or during. Maybe there's a light snack. A fruit tray would be perfect. Yeah, it's the longest night of the year. You got time. Yeah, exactly. So you got to keep your energy up. But anyway, that's my point. And Lana's correct. I should have mentioned it because it's a real holiday. Xmas or Saturnalia. Yeah, Saturnalia. Oh, man. Uh, either way. She says, I haven't sold anyone uh, on the idea of Xmas yet, but she's going to keep trying. I find that very hard to believe. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Lana, that you could sell someone on the concept of Xmas. I, uh, I believe so. Maybe you guys should make an app that is only used once a year on Xmas to find parties. I don't know if there's a Xmas party. I mean, you know what? However, the Romans people had like, them. Yeah. However, people like it. Lana, you're right. You're right. I had a narrow-minded definition of what Xmas is, and you're showing me what Xmas could be. Way to go, Lana. <laughs> 
uh, the big but the Bigfoot program was great. Uh, she's a librarian, and uh, she actually did a big outreach program about Bigfoot. And oh, yeah, people came in, which is awesome. Well done. A lot of people she'd never seen came to the library. A lot of stories. One of the ladies uh, that was there, she was on one of the Finding Bigfoot shows. So wow. she came in to talk about her experiences, which is pretty cool. And uh, the men came in to talk about Bigfoot because they think she wants to hear about Bigfoot, which, Lana, you kind of do. You kind of want to hear a little bit about Bigfoot. I, Maybe not as much as they want to tell you. I venture to say it was 30% to talk about Bigfoot. Oh. The rest to talk to Lana. Oh, Lana. Oh, Lord, Lana. Oh, Lana, <laughs> uh, Lana. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I was right about them not fitting in caves. I was really just referring to the one particular, I think it's called Squatch Hunter maybe or whatever mm. that show is. Mm. Um, but she said they're big dudes and big dudes shouldn't wear overalls. I disagree. What else can they wear? <laughs> you don't, you, you just leave like capes. Capes and moomoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super big dudes. They almost have to wear overalls, I think. <laughs> and on to puns. Oh, uh, there's a breed of dog that has been around since ancient times. What is it? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Dick. And that's it. That's why we can't have a podcast anymore. <laughs> that happened to me in the third grade. <laughs> um, I stopped the whole class from getting read a story oh. because I was acting like a dick. <laughs> third grade happens now. Uh, there's been a breed of dog that's been around since ancient times, and they help to combat the forces of evil by assisting angels in leveling up which they need to do. Hmm. Um, they are called bell hounds. Oh. Because bells uh, and rings. Uh, <laughs> I'll f*** around, uh, around here. Where's my little Jojo? Uh, <laughs> you get the f*** away from that tray. It's expensive. She keeps, keeps ringing that damn bell. I can't even myself think of my own home. Man. Looks like a black shark or something. Right? <laughs> 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 Thanks, Lana, for letting us do that. Um, and <laughs> I like this totally bad superpowers. Totally bad. Yeah. Ooh, is it like Michael Jackson bad or just bad rat bad? Wait, what? <laughs> Here we go. Uh, the ability to light a fire, but only within a fireplace, and you can only light it, not, <laughs> on su- not sustain the burn, which might be super cool on Fxmas. Oh! <laughs> Zoom! <laughs> I don't know. That's still, still a superpower. I mean, you can you can just, like a, you got, like, match fingers. <laughs> Dave, um, match fingers. It's nice to meet you. Oh, God, no! <laughs> Um, how about cobbler mancy, the ability to restore any broken high heeled shoe, but only after you've worn it around broken all night mm. and the ability to make the perfect cobbler from rotten fruit. Wow. Hmm. That's a double. That's a double swinger. Thank you, Lana. Thanks, Lana. Tink. 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 Oh, God. Oh, it's so hot in here. Working on this literary forge, <laughs> the fires of creativity, heating my pencil. I can heat this up to a thousand words a day. Whoa. Connor the Wordsmith. Connor the Wordsmith hits us uh, saying, first of all, me, Flora, I am the responsible one. And he Damn gives it. me uh, all the respect that he can for the for the amount of work we put into this. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that I... 
made you feel bad enough to <laughs> come, <Yeah>. come back around. <laughs> well, you know what though? It's fine. That makes me like the Fonzie of the podcast or like I'm, I'm like Han Solo of the podcast. Sure. I'm reckless. Sure. Connor also says, Hey Stecco. Yeah. Yes. When will you produce a story of your own? Oh, I did once and I hated it and we didn't put it in the podcast there. That's my story. It was about like a critter in an attic. Isn't that it? Yeah. And had some weird tagline. I will. I will. Next time we do ghost stories, I will produce one of my own. Connor Connor says he figures if it doesn't come together that well, it would still be a huge improvement from the random ones we pick. Not to mention the bulk of what uh, we both find anyway. (laughs) True. It's true. Puns. Uh, (laughs) Not long ago, a conference was held by elite nutritionists. From around the world. Their goal being figuring out a way to create the perfect meal that would hold the optimum amount of fiber, vitamins, protein, and everything healthy. Oh my goodness. Having been unsuccessful, they combined- (laughs) The scientist lost his mind and became a clown. (laughs) That clown's name? Ronald McDonald. (laughs) Ronnie Dirtnap. He swore vengeance on healthy eating forever. Sorry. Having having been unsuccessful, they combined all of their notes and filed it away, thus creating the unified meal theory. Oh, I love it. Isn't that the basis for the Philadelphia cream cheese experiment? Yeah. <laughs> He's also got a device used to guide you safely through your journey, though it may just guide you into a lake. It's the Garmin. Oh, well played, yes. Connor. Ooh. Very nice. Oh, my gosh. And that's that's going to about do it. Yep, that's all the listener mail that we can do at this moment without keeping you strapped down for another 10 years. So yeah. uh, we will... We will continue with that, and we'll probably have a little supplemental pretty soon. We may, and and also, uh, like I said, oh. if you if you have you know a story that you'd like us to read, throw it in there. We'll we'll do uh, a whole little supplemental of them. I love that, and We've also got a couple. if you have listen, we don't we 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 sometimes genuinely forget sometimes, but sometimes we just run out of like actual time to get it done or yeah. within the confines of a podcast. We aren't scoff laws. We're not living on the lamb. We're not. Uh, I'm we're not, a scoff law. <laughs> we're not like the A team. We're not in the LA underground. And if you can find us and you can afford us, you can hire us, which is actually true. You could. All true. We owe you penalty boxes, multiple mm. sentences. The next episode. I know I've said that before. I know I did. Mea culpa. Well, we we haven't forgotten it. It's not like we yeah. we say it and then don't say anything anymore. So. But. Yeah, it, it's a time thing. That's yep. all. Yep, yep, yep. We'll get there. Yeah, and besides, it would be rude to our friend Ken here because he doesn't want to see us suffer. No. Actually, that's not true at all. So thank you all very much for writing in. Yeah. You are glorious people. So thank you again, Ken, for coming on to the episode. Thank you for being a friend of the podcast. Hey, happy to be here. Happy to be a friend. Happy to come on anytime. Uh, certainly anytime I have a project to plug, that's for damn sure. Damn, and even when you don't, even, yeah. even, oh, well, that's interesting. What is that? <laughs> yeah. What is that new sensation? Altruism? Is that what they call it? Uh, everybody can find Ken again on Ken, Ken and Robin talk about stuff on iTunes. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and, uh, why not rate all of us have a rating party? Mm-hmm. 
Rev- and and right. spray each other's hair, talk reviews. about Justin Timberlake and rate stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. You get five stars and you get five stars yeah. and you get five stars. Become your own personal iTunes Oprah. That's right. That's right. Uh, go over to, well, you can go to StumbleUpon if you want, but uh, we'd, we'd rather you go to <laughs> Photos <laughs> Podcast. Ken, Ken, you're on Pinterest. Not not any of your works, just just, just Ken me. Height. Just me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> go go like us on Facebook. Lives. <laughs> uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter, blurry underscore photos. Uh, you're also, Ken, you're on Twitter, I'm right? on Twitter, at Kenneth Height. And um, what else we got? We got a donate button. Yeah. That, that's a fun to way to that. kick our starter. You know, that's uh, that was uh, was our discussions with Ken Height that really got us rolling on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, thank you. I'm no, you sure are saying, not. Don't, why don't, don't you have a donate yeah. button as a discussion? But sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> Discussion over. Yes. <laughs> get, get a donate button. Is, is this discussion going to go on a lot longer? <laughs> I've got a Shut bunch up. of other people's problems to uh, solve. Yeah, I, so I have to go across the room. No. <laughs> I mean, not all the way across the room. <laughs> just, just far enough. Yeah. You'll get the message. <laughs> yeah. uh, We're Anglo-Saxons. It doesn't have to be that far. That's right. If you uh, if if you don't have the the foons to to hit that donate button at, at the moment, you can still go to audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Yes, get yourself a, a free audiobook download, thirty day free trial membership. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep it. Uh, but just by going there and signing up, you get a free audiobook. We get a free monetary high five from That's Audible. Right. It's awesome. It's great. It helps us deliver the goods. Maybe to get you. an Audible version of Dracula. Oh, just saying. Do you have stuff on Audible? No. It may. It may in the future be though. No, who can say? Who can yeah. say? But you could, you could get an Audible. But I'll Dracula. bet you. I'll bet you. There's Audible Dracula on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. For and, sure. And again, holidays are coming up. Everyone's traveling. It's a perfect time to have an audiobook. That's your, true. Anytime is really the perfect. time. I almost you, said you in your back up. pocket, but that's not where an audiobook is located. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. You could have it on your phone. If it is, yeah, be careful. Don't, you don't might put your phone in your back pocket. Stuff bins. Yeah. Maybe you just never sit down. Maybe you're an active, on-the-go kind of person. <laughs> That's right. While you're running, <laughs> listening to Jonathan Harker's Trials and Tribulations. We just decided that there's an entire lifestyle associated with <laughs> your audiobook purchase. And you didn't realize you're signing up for it, but you were. You're welcome. And it's free for the first month. That's right. <laughs> so that's uh, that's about going to do it for this episode of Blurry Photos on our March to 100. That's right. We are closing in on it. This is episode 97. 97. Woo. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Wouldn't you like to know? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so would we. If you do know, write in. <laughs> <laughs> Please, seriously. <laughs> so anyways... Uh, for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been David, the Scourge of Wallachia, Stecco. I've been Kenbraham Van Heitzing. Oh! And I have been David, Nosfloratu. Oh! oh. <laughs> Shh.